0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Blitz NFL Edition. I'm your host Jeff Anderson. Co-host with me, Sam Daring. Sam,
1: how's it going, man? I'm doing well, man. I mean, what what better way to kick off the Blitz than you know have our former Wisconsin defensive tackle, Isaiah Loudermilk? So I'm excited. Definitely go check that out. Um, he had, Wisconsin did have their pro day today. Wild Goose ran a you know you know rapid, speedy forty. Loudermilk did well as well. Definitely go check that out. is published uh, earlier this week. Um, but I'm doing well, man. I'm excited to break down, you know, some franchise takes that already happened, um, as well as you know, some key free agents, and then you know, the Dak Prescott signings. That's obviously huge news this week.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I figure we could probably start with that because that's that's the biggest news of the week. So for anybody who did not hear about it, Dak Prescott just signed a four-year. $160 million contract with the Dallas Cowboys. $66 million signing mm-hmm. bonus. I think that's the highest in NFL history. Uh, $126 million of that is guaranteed. Average salary of $40 million. Uh, Sam, what are your initial thoughts to this contract?
1: So I've, I've always been on the side of, you know, De- does Dak deserve to get paid? Yes. He's is he going to get paid what he deserves? No, he. This does not surprise me at all. Quarterbacks are hard to come by. I figured the 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 Cowboys would would not have a choice. This is an insane contract. You know, his first season he's going to be making seventy five million dollars, and averages you know over forty two million dollars a year over his first three seasons, and a sixty six million dollar signing bonus, um, which I believe you mentioned or guaranteed money was the highest in NFL history, this dude changes the franchise. And to me, I've never been on the side as well of firing a head coach, a first-year head coach for the Dallas Cowboys, in Mike McCarthy after one season. And I definitely think he's going into this season on the hot seat. Um, But, you know, they didn't have Dak Prescott. And Andy Dalton is a free agent. They only signed him to a one-year deal. And, you know, Dak Prescott got his money. Now who are we going to see traded next? I mean, this might be, you know, a topic of discussion now for a long time this off season. Um, And, you know, Russell Wilson tweeted out this morning, I'm sorry, I'm going off topic here, but Russell Wilson tweeted out this morning. um, It was a Bible quote and it basically said "Time for new, like the old is out and the new beginning is here. So I, I mean, that's a hint to me in a lot of ways. Um, But that and, from what I'm hearing, what from what I've been hearing as well, I want to say David Culley, the new Houston Texans head coach, <clears throat> did interview with the Texans the Texans this morning or yesterday, and it sounds like Watson's going to get traded. I personally am not so sure Watson plays it down at football next season if he's still on the Houston Texans. But you know, going back to your point on Dak, I truly do not think the Cowboys had a choice. Um, you know, if, if if Dak continues, if if we were sitting here today and Dak was still you know begging for a contract, holding out. We might see a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jacoby Brissett headed to the Dallas for a one year deal. Uh, because I really don't see them shocking and taking a quarterback um, you know, in the first two, three rounds of the draft this season, but or this come April. But um, you know, this this really doesn't surprise me, Jeff. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean I'm kind of in the same camp. Here's here's what I want to start off with first. I am happy that Dak got what he I don't want to say deserved, but I'm happy that he got paid. Right, He was a fourth-round draft pick in 2016, basically took Tony Romo's starting job and has been getting paid essentially pennies uh, up until this point. You know, He gets franchise-tagged two years ago, and then heading into this season, uh, he has to kind of prove himself, but gets hurt, right? And I think everybody was kind of afraid, like, is Dak going to get paid, like... It's it's it was a real conundrum for the Cowboys, um, but I I think that they overpaid for him. But like you said, I don't think they had a choice. Uh, this kind of reminds me of in basketball, specifically with let's just take an example with the Bucks real quick. The Bucks paid Chris Middleton close to a uh-huh. max contract, right? Um, I would say that Chris Middleton isn't worth that max contract, but he. His worth to the team, that's how much he's worth because the Bucs can't just go out and get another guy like Chris Middleton in free agency. So I think that this deal is very similar in that regard where the Cowboys had their hands tied. They don't have a high enough pick to get a guy like Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, uh, even Trey Lance isn't going to fall to them, I think. So I think with the Dak signing it at least guarantees that they get a good quarterback for the foreseeable future and aren't in, like, this quarterback limbo, especially with, I would argue, one of the better receiving cores in the league with Amari Cooper, uh, CeeDee Lamb, guys like that. And while they did overpay for him, I think, like you said,
1: their hands were kind of tied. Right, and, like... Another thing to point out too is <clears throat> back to our point of stating quarterbacks are hard to come by. Th- this contract dispute between Dak and the Dallas Cowboys should not have taken this long, in my opinion. They should have paid Dak before Zeke because running backs have shelf life. They should have paid Dak before Amari Cooper. I want to say Amari Cooper's was a five year, $100 million contract. They paid Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith's is well deserved. I would maybe say Jalen Smith is the only exception, but I personally would still put Dak at the top of that list. I think the order would go Dak, Jalen Smith, Amari Cooper, Zeke. Um, and you, you saw a little bit of regression the past two, three seasons um, with the Dallas, Dow- I guess, I mean, a season or two with the Dallas Cowboys offensive line and Zeke is still a stud, but you know, Zeke has not played like a top five running back in the past two seasons in my personal opinion, but um but I mean, with Dak, with Dak's contract, they also don't have a ton of money to spend. Someone was tweeting um, earlier, um, shortly after the Dak contract, that they're worried about being able to afford Zeke's contract. Um, and you know, th- this might be an off season where you might see a lot of you know building on for the draft. Um, and the Cowboys, I think, are going to be one of those teams specifically.
0: Yeah, um, I had said in uh, a YouTube video I posted on my personal channel, real quick, shameless plug, uh, YouTube, The Sports Porch, go check it out. Anyway, I just (laughs) uploaded a video about Dak Prescott, and I'd said in that video um, the Dallas Cowboys draft this year is extremely important. I agree. Because of the fact that they don't have a lot uh, in terms of money because they have all these guys paid on the roster. Uh I mean, just looking at it right now, Demarcus Lawrence, $25 million. Dak Prescott, $22 million this year. Amari Cooper, $22 million. Zeke Elliott, $13 million. Like, they can't just afford to go out and get guys to fill their gaps. So this draft is going to be extremely important for the Cowboys to get it right. Uh, Luckily, I think that their first pick is pretty straightforward. You take either Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan, depending on who you like more, if you're the Cowboys but yeah, this is going to be an interesting offseason for the Cowboys. I think it's kind of make or break for their future.
1: Yeah. And I guess, you know, two things. One. Yeah. I think the cornerback obviously is make or break for them. Uh, they also could use an offensive lineman. I personally believe that for Sean Slater, uh, offensive tackle slash guard slash center, the dude can play anywhere on that offensive line. I think that's true. Not only, I think, do I think he's the second best offensive offensive lineman in this draft right behind Panay Sewell but I think he's a top 10 overall prospect in this draft. If Panay Sewell falls past the Cincinnati Bengals, which you know there's a team we'll get to next week when we cover uh, more of these teams and preview their offseason and their draft picks, um, I, I would still, if I'm Cincinnati or the New York Jets, I would trade down in the top 10, um, more so the Jets, because I think if Sewell, let's say Sewell's gone at five, I would still select Rashawn Slater in the top 10. And again, another thing to point out too is this is a deep secondary class. So if the Cowboys really feel that, you know, picking a guy like Rashawn Slater at 10 that is an immediate starter, and they can wait for a corner, and you know, Caleb Farley is obviously a stud. Caleb Farley, Sean Wade's moving Wade on people's lists. Pat Sertain. I'm really, really confused as to why he's dropping. I haven't really found much as to reasons why he's dropping. And then again, you see a lot of these players fall for no reason. And then someone else tweeted Kyle Pitts to the, to the Cowboys, which would be very, very scary. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we will get more in depth with the Cowboys when we go into this. But yeah, I mean, Jeff, I fully agree with you. that This is a very, very crucial draft. And I said this last, last or during this past season, before the trade deadline, the Cowboys need to trade Leighton Vanderash. He is Sean Lee 2.0. They need to trade him right now while he has this value, this high value and he's young right now.
0: Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, I think all of this comes down on Jerry Jones, right? Mm-hmm. And his I think he's it's always an issue to me when owners get involved with how the team is run. I think that if you're an owner in the NFL, unless you're like this brilliant football mind, get a GM and get the hell out of his way. Because otherwise I think you get situations with guys like Jerry Jones who have, let's face it, Jerry Jones has always had a little bit of an ego about him. Mm -hmm. Um, He always has done what I would consider to be the sexy draft picks, you know, or make the sexy move in the off season and worry less about balancing his team frankly put because i mean you look at this team right now the offense is about as good as you can get in the nfl um for who they have and who they're paying but then on the defensive side like it's just a mess so i i just don't know with jerry jones that's my biggest thing see the i think
1: Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, no, it's fine. Go ahead.
1: Uh, I was going to say, I mean, I think the big thing, too, is I think the Cowboys are also a team that they're lucky they play in the NFC East. um, Yeah. Because, you know, Philly's in this rebuild mode. And, you know, now that to me and I was talking to Darius about this fellow member of the Blitz because he's a big Eagles fan. Now that Carson Wentz is gone because, you know. Darius has been telling me for months and months on end now that, you know, if we hire Nick Sirianni, if they hire Nick Sirianni, the Philadelphia Eagles, he believes that this is to fix Carson Wentz. And now that Carson Wentz is gone, to me, that doesn't like, and Darius as well, that coaching staff, Nick Sirianni hire makes no sense. And then you have Jeff Lurie coming out earlier this week and saying that he is in love with Jalen Hurts and he wants the team to build around him. Again, I don't know how much we're going to take that seriously. Uh, you know, you're, you're still seeing tons of mocks with Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields with the sixth overall pick. But, you know, the Eagles are going into rebuild mode. Um, I think the Dallas Cowboys, I don't think they're in rebuild, but I don't think they're – I think they're far from competitive. And the Giants are, you know, still building. And, you know, Golden Tate got cut, so now they're still trying to find – You know, their wide receiver one, whoever they bring in. If it's a guy like Kenny Galladay, who did not end up getting tagged by the Detroit Lions. Um, But and like I said, I mean, I think the NFC East, the division was pathetic. It was a joke this year. You have a team that that came into the playoffs as a sub 500 team. Washington, if they figure out their quarterback situation because Alex Smith was cut, they re-signed Taylor Heineke. But it'll be very interesting. And. You know, I was talking to one of my friends a while ago before Dak signed this contract is I would love Dak Prescott over in Washington. That would be such a fun offense to watch. They don't have many receivers outside of Terry McLaurin, but that defense is absolutely up and coming. But I'm sorry to interrupt, Jeff, but please continue to know what you were going to say.
0: No, it's fine. I think I actually would like to build off of that with like just the NFC East this year. I think, as you said, the Cowboys are very lucky to be in the position they're right. in where they – Let's face it, that was last year was like worst case scenario for them. You know, they started off the season even before Dak got hurt. They didn't look good. Dak goes down. So there's an excuse right there. Well, we didn't have our quarterback. Next thing, first year head coach. Well, it was his first year in the system. And now third, they get lucky. Or I don't want to say lucky, but they have the NFC East, which was by far the worst division last year. Looks to be, once again, I would say the worst division this year. So if the Cowboys can be half competent this year, they can take the NFC East and get a playoff spot. And luckily for Mike McCarthy, probably save his job in that case because I think we can all agree that he's on the hot seat this year after what happened last year, even though Dak did go down.
1: I fully agree. And actually, you know, as we're live here, we do have a breaking news signing um, from the Houston Texans. Um, the Houston Texans have signed Mark Ingram um, to oh, okay. a one-year deal up to $3 million. So now you've got the one-two punch with David Johnson and Mark Ingram. They did cut Duke Johnson. So, you know, that's their one-two punch, which which to me isn't isn't that bad. Um, I looked at a team like the Miami Dolphins if they decided not to pay for a running back. Um, you know, Aaron Jones has been a guy that's been linked to the Miami Dolphins for quite some time now. Um, I, I, I think the Dolphins should go after Corey Lindsley if they decide Um to go a little bit in the cheaper route for a running back. But breaking news out of you know Houston now, at, per Adam Schefter eight minutes ago, Houston Texans have signed running back, former Ravens and Saints running back Mark Ingram, to a one-year deal worth up to $3 million. Wow.
0: I actually like that signing a lot for them. Because, <clears throat> um, I mean, let's face it, David Johnson is not what he used to be. And Mark Ingram gives him a nice power back. To mm-hmm. sort of, you know, those those third downs, third and shorts um, to really give them like a hard nose edge to this off to this offense, which with David Johnson, they definitely didn't have. So I think that's actually a great move for them. Only paying three million dollars, I think, on a one year deal just to see if it works out. I think that's great for them.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, let, let, let's let's dive into this you know, franchise tag. So we'll go deeper into this free agency talk. Um, you know, when free agency officially starts, um, but yeah, let's go deeper into this franchise tag. So, um, I mean, the one I want to start with, which is the one I really didn't understand fully, um, was Chris Godwin. And, you know, to me, Antonio Brown's a free agent. And I think that Antonio Brown has so many off field issues and yes, you can tell he is trying and, you know, Bruce Arians said at the beginning of the season he is on this team until evidence is proven otherwise. And, you know, I I just don't know how much attention he's going to get in free agency. So I think he would have been I think the Buccaneers would have been smarter to bring him back and, you know, tag tag a guy like, you know, Shaq Barrett. because Shaq Barrett's probably heading to free agency now because he's probably not going to want to play under a second franchise tag we we've gone through this running back shelf life. They have Leonard Fournette because Rojo didn't get tagged. And to me, I don't, Rojo really didn't do anything until this season, in my opinion. Um, and I know Bruce Arians was a big Rojo guy and he went out and signed Shady McCoy. And Bruce Arians was saying, Oh, we want Shady McCoy to be a big part in this offense. He barely played a snap, you know, Think about this, too. The past two seasons, LaShawn McCoy got two rings in the su- from two Super Bowl rings. He didn't play a snap against the Chiefs, and he didn't play a down against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is just living life right there, man. I don't know what to tell you there. That's like, but, uh,
0: who is it? Is that Patrick McCaw in the NBA? Like, yep, yep. Three years straight? Yep. Yeah. Like the same thing. <laughs>
1: Exactly. I mean, I can't complain. And then you got J.R. Smith, even this year, like picked up on waivers to go wherever yeah. Vaughn's going. <laughs> Just a ring chaser. Hey, I mean, if I'm that guy, I'm, I'm not complaining. Uh, but, you know, they also drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, rookie out of, well, coming into his second year now, out of Vanderbilt. Um, so, I mean, I, th- I think if Houston, or I think if the Buccaneers were smart, they should have let Godwin walk. You saw a lot of production out of Tyler Johnson. And I really don't think Chris Godwin did a whole lot in the playoffs. And I just didn't see them paying or at least trying to pay two receivers. So I don't know if like, yeah, I mean that, that is the one big one that just did not make a whole lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah. I would say it mainly didn't make sense because of Shaq Barrett. They had the dilemma with, um, I don't know why the name is escaping me, uh, Levante David, right? They had this whole conundrum where you have to pay Levante David, Shaq Barrett, and pretty much, I mean, let's face it, that defensive line is probably the reason why they won that Super Bowl. I mean, they were constantly getting to Mahomes. Dude was running for his life out there. Granted, they didn't have either of their tackles, but still, major reason why they won that Super Bowl, and by not tagging Barrett, you're pretty much admitting defeat you know, letting him walk. And I think, as you said, I think that Tampa Bay is just fine at receiver. Mm -hmm. Um, And even people were talking about Scotty Miller uh, last year, you know, super fast wide receiver. Uh, So yes, is Chris Godwin good? Yes. Is he worth the tag for the bucks? I don't think so. Mainly just because they already have Mike Evans, who I think at the end of the season was really clicking with Brady. Oh yeah. You know, I think he had, his issues earlier in the season. They just didn't have their chemistry, whatever. That's what happens when you don't have an off season. But I just didn't really see that same connection with Chris Godwin at all. Uh, He's got a history of drops. We know that. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I'm in agreement with you here. I think it was just really weird considering the situation that they're in.
1: Yeah. And like the thing about Mike Evans too, is I don't want to say he's slept on just because, you know, he is a top seven receiver. But I think he gets overlooked because of the team he's on. Other Besides this season, he's had one thousand. He's eclipsed one thousand yard receiving seasons ever since he's entered the league out of Texas A&M. Um, so, I mean, that and and I again, I, I just do not see them paying two wide receivers. They should have Levante. David doesn't surprise me. I expected the tag on maybe Levante David and a guy like Shaq Barrett because if you look at Tampa's defense, um, they're not getting any younger. And Dominic Sue is a free agent. Um, Will they? You know, I've seen a lot of Christian Barmore mocks um, or even Levi Wuzurike. Um, you know, big defensive tackle because they don't have a lot of defensive tackle talent. So if, if Tampa drafts a D tackle, you bring in a guy like Levi Wuzurike or Jay Fell or even Jalen Twyman or Tyler Shelvin in the later rounds, why not bring back Indomin Sue on a minimum deal? I wouldn't give Ndamukong Sue personally any more than a minimum deal. I think he's washed. I think he's a nice depth piece. Uh, but why not Why not learn and rot- be a rotational depth piece alongside a, a guy like that? And again, Levi Wuzurike went to Washington with Vita Bea. So that would be a really nice, fun duo to watch again. But... Yeah, I mean, we're we're both in agreement there on that one.
0: Yeah, and I think very similar to the Cowboys, I think this is another very important a, a team that has another very important draft coming up for them because with the signings of Levante David tagging Godwin, they don't have a lot of money to play with uh, with the cap. I think they still have to get under the cap as of right now. Um, but this is going to be another very important Draft for the Buccaneers, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. So I wanted to shift gears to another guy who got franchise tagged, and I think this was actually probably my favorite franchise tag out of the whole group, and that is Allen Robinson for the Chicago Bears. Yep. Uh, I would. I mean, he was going to hit free agency and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. I mean, getting balls thrown to you from Mitch Trubisky for. <clears throat> Two, was it two years he was there? Three years?
1: Oh yeah, Something man. Like uh, Allen Robinson, because he got traded from Jacksonville, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And you know he hasn't had a good quarterback ever. You could argue. I mean, we don't even know what his high school quarterback was, but his 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 Penn State QB was Christian Hackenberg, and then he had Blake Bortles throwing in the ball, and then he's got you know Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, and he's still he is still a top ten wide receiver. So if you put him on a team. If if the Bears figure out their QB situation, I don't think they're getting Russell Wilson. So, Bears fans, you can stop uh, getting your hopes up there. <laughs> yes. But um, because I think Trubisky going to get a one-year prove-it deal. And, you know, him and Nagy are going to hit the hay after next season. But, yeah, I mean, I was a little bit surprised just because I expected A-Rob to leave. But on the Bears side of things, it really doesn't surprise me at all. Because Anthony Miller is also up for a new deal. You cut Anthony Miller or you let Anthony Miller walk and A-Rob walk, your wide receiver one is a second-year wide receiver, Darryl Mooney, who showed a lot of promise, but he hasn't shown enough to be a solidified premier starting one receiver or starting wide receiver. Uh, but, yeah, and like, like you said, like this, A-Rob was going to hit free agency, and they were talking about contracts— Having a little bit of disputes in the extension talks, you know, throughout the season, so it was looking very likely that he was most likely going to head out into free agency. So, to me, on the Bears side of things, it makes sense and it doesn't surprise you. It, it's the most, it's the most reasonable um, tag on the Bears side.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like you were saying with Anthony Miller, I don't think. I mean, I don't think he's going to come back because there were a lot. He even had a lot of issues with the Bears last year. He was very vocal um, and very verbally upset with the Bears. Looking at his body language uh, for the very few games that I saw of the Chicago Bears, because let's face it, who would torment themselves by watching the Bears last year? (laughs) Um, It didn't look good and obviously the biggest issue with the bears is their offense that defense it's as with most defenses in the nfl you only have a two or three year window with them of which the bears have pretty much wasted all of them so i think that the bears really have to focus (coughs) on getting their offense right and i think bringing back a rob is the first step in that in getting it right
1: Yeah, I fully agree. And, you know, I think the next one we're going to talk about here because we don't need to go too in-depth with a lot of, with some of these. But you know, the next one I'm going to talk about I was a little bit surprised by, but at the same time they need a tackle, and that's Cam Robinson out of Jacksonville. Um, because the Jags do have, they have two first-round picks because one of them came from the Jamal Adams trade, so one of them was t- supposed to be Seattle's. And they also have the first pick of the second round, from the, want to say it was the Yannick trade, um, from the Minnesota Vikings, and is it the Vikings? Yes, it is the Vikings. Um, so the bike, Vi- yes, the Jets have a lot of draft capital, but the Jags have not only a ton of cap space, but also a ton of draft capital. So if you have Cam Robinson as one of your offensive tackles, you draft an offensive tackle because I think this tackle class is deep. But I think it's very similar to last year, where it's the, the talent is going to go away quick. And, you know, we Clemson had their pro day. You look at a guy like Jackson Carmen, a guy that's got a lot of upper body strength, very explosive. Um, he's quick with his feet. You look at a lot of versatility in him, the guy that you that you could potentially kick into guard. And you know, the last first round tackle I remember them drafting was Juwan Taylor out of, I believe it was Florida. Um, so I mean the Jags need help on their offensive line, and they also, James Robinson had a lot of promise as an undrafted rookie. I forget where he was out of, but you have Irvin Meyer coming in. It's looking very likely they're going to have Trevor Lawrence. They need to do everything possible to protect that, um, to protect the potential successor, not successor, potential you know franchise turnaround for Duvall in Trevor Lawrence.
0: Yeah, I totally agree um this is definitely a surprising franchise tag i think everybody can see that mm-hmm. but i guess when you dig a little deeper uh it i kind of i like the move because i like them sort of saying with this move hey we're gonna have a new quarterback come in and we don't want him to get killed <clears throat> you know like joe burrow last year was a prime example of that where yeah I mean, literally got his knee snapped in half because his line couldn't protect him. So I think if you do this, and then if you're able to draft a guy uh, in the second round with that next pick, like maybe like Samuel Cosme, if he's still there, um, even Dylan Reduns, if he's still there, something like that, um, I think that would be a great move for them to really just shore up this offensive line, keep Trevor Lawrence safe, you really don't want to have another Joe Burrow, Josh Rosen situation. Although I don't really know if there's any helping Josh Rosen, but he did get hit a lot when he played with the Cardinals.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look at, you know, Cam Robinson's pro football focus stats as well, um, shows a lot of reliability, um, you know, played 973 snaps throughout 2020, um, tied for 19th in penalties, a lot of five penalties tied for 12th, uh, which is a little bit in the higher range. Um, you know, allowed five sacks throughout the season. Um, So you're seeing a lot of, you know, slow progression out of Cam Robinson. And if, if they decide to draft an offensive tackle, and I'm glad you brought up Sam Cosby as well, because Texas also had their pro day. Um, I, I have to pull up the number here because, you know, Sam Cosby went off on the bench Um, and another guy that, Oh, 36 reps on the bench today, you know, Texas pro day. And, I feel like I've heard a lot of, you know, very lopsided opinions on Sam Cosme because I was listening to, you know, the first the first draft podcast um, with Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Field Yates. And, you know, Mel Kuyper Jr. was saying that, you know, Sam Cosme, I see Sam Cosme as a guy who also opted out during the Big 12 season this past year that, you know, potentially could have stayed back a year and improved his draft stock And even Dylan Raduns, you know, Dylan Raduns could be a very early to mid-second round pick out of North Dakota State, showed a lot of promise in the Senior Bowl. He really, really held his own ground. Um, So I I like both of those names that you brought up. Sam Cosby potentially could be a first round pick, um, but I don't believe... Oh, actually, North, North Dakota State's Pro Day's tomorrow, and I... Denver has the ninth pick. I'm not sure why Denver, in my opinion, is going for drafting a quarterback. I, I was talking to Darius about this as well. I mean, to me, Denver is they, – they, they haven't banked. Ever since losing Peyton Manning after their Super Bowl run, they haven't quite found their draft running back. So they need to – go. I think they need to go out and sign Ryan, a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick or if Alex Smith stays around um, – which I would be surprised, but it would be really cool to see a guy like Alex Smith be another Ryan Fitzpatrick. And you know, Chase Daniel is garnering attention from the to, from other teams from the Detroit Lions because he has also been a quarterback that has been seen as a mentor for the younger guys.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how Denver, mm-hmm. how their quarterback situation plays out. Will they let it ride with Drew Locke? Will they bring in a veteran to? help him out, mentor him, or if, you know, a guy like Trey Lance is available, do they draft him, let him sit for a couple years on the bench? Uh, It'll be interesting to see what Denver does. Uh, So going back to more franchise tag guys, another one that I got tagged, another tackle was Taylor Moten uh, from the Carolina Panthers, Uh, 26 years old. I think this was a great tag for the Panthers Mm -hmm. because I do think that he would have left in free agency and gotten paid Somewhere else, just looking at pro football focus, had an 81.2 on his grade (laughs) this last year. Um, Played just over 1,000 snaps. Uh, The dude is reliable. Uh, He's one of the young up-and-coming tackles in the NFL. And it's a good thing that they tagged him uh, because I think Russell Okung is probably not going to be there next year. get a little too old, and I think that they can save some money by letting him walk or uh, cutting him, whatever his situation is there. But yeah, I think this was a great tag by Carolina.
1: Yeah. And, you know, another thing to point out too is yes, he's not, this guy wasn't Taylor Morton good, but, you know, the Panthers at one point also had Trey Turner, and they also traded him to the Los Angeles Chargers. And now people are writing articles that, you know, Trey Turner, an offensive guard now with the Chargers, that's an $11.3 million cap hit. And now, you know, he, I, Potentially, he's a cut candidate, trade candidate. You're seeing a lot of these tackles. Trent Williams, I believe, is up. Um, I want to say that the Niners were fielding offers. I I, I think he's up. I thought he had a year left. But Trent Williams was traded during the draft. Um, I want to say it was day three of the draft in 2020. But Taylor Morton, to me, makes a lot of sense. Um, And it's going to be interesting to see what Carolina ends up doing with their quarterback situation. Um, Could this be a potential... A very, very minor potential move to, you know, go and trade for Deshaun Watson. I still personally believe the San Francisco 49ers need to need to need to need to bring in Deshaun Watson because, um, you know, they have Jason Baretta, but I think he's going to stay. I think Richard Sherman's gone, but I think a fully healthy 49ers team. Yes. Even with Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think is a top 25 quarterback. Um, I I don't think that's the Rams division to lose. And. We, we don't need to go too in-depth with the Stafford trade, but I think if the Rams don't win the Super Bowl in the next two years, that trade's going to look very, very bad, and I could potentially—this might be a hot one, and I was talking to Darius about this, too. We potentially could see Sean McVay on the hot seat if we don't see a Super Bowl appearance in the next two seasons from the Rams, especially now that you know Stafford came out a few days after that trade and said they're not, they're not, they're not resigning him after his contract. They're going to let him ride out his two years. Um, so— You know, that very well could change if he goes off, has a potential MVP, top 10 elite football season. But yeah, I mean, I'm very interested to see what the Panthers do because Teddy Bridgewater played very well. And, you know, the first three, four, five games of the season, and yes, the Panthers might have the seventh, eighth overall pick. This is the eighth overall pick right after the Lions. But they surprised a lot of people during the season, and even Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, I thought, was a lot better than people were giving him credit for. Yes, Deshaun Watson is an upgrade, and we most likely will not see the Panthers go full defense under second-year head coach now at Baylor Matt Rule. But I'm very interested to see how their quarterback situation pans out coming into week one of 2021 season.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the more underrated storylines of this offseason is how do they go about it? Because I think, like you said, the Panthers really surprised a lot of people last year. I think they were not on the same level as the Dolphins were uh, a year before. But I think they're very similar to that, where it's very clear they're ahead of their rebuilding schedule. Things are going a lot better for them than we had anticipated. So it'll be interesting to see if they take a guy like Trey Lance – with that number eight pick that they have, or if they let it ride with Teddy Bridgewater for the next couple of years. Uh, I think if you're going to draft a guy like Trey Lance, I think you need to have a veteran quarterback on your team who has been in the league a long time, who's able to teach him a lot of stuff because obviously coming out of North Dakota state, not really playing that much. uh, You know, he's pretty raw as it comes. So Mm -hmm. I think you need to have a veteran guy in there to teach him the ropes. And I'm not sure if Teddy Bridgewater is the guy you want uh, in the quarterback room, teaching Trey Lance, not a knock on Teddy or anything, but I just don't think he's had the (coughs) experience as some of the other veteran quarterbacks on the market right now.
1: And yeah. And like my thing too, is I've, I've always been on the side of the Panthers need to draft Trey Lance because Teddy Bridgewater is on a three-year contract Trey Lance, I could understand being a little bit of a risk of a pick, because like you said, he has not necessarily not not necessarily limited elite tape because he didn't throw a single interception his season in North Dakota. And I don't care what division you're playing for. If you're playing in D3, you're playing at Wisconsin Whitewater, which is a power winning culture school over D3 Wisconsin football or college at the collegiate level. That is darn impressive to not throw a single interception. And I want to say he threw one. Um, I don't recall who they played, but they played one game back in October. Um, But, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, that that, the North Dakota State's pro day is tomorrow. And, you know, Trey Lance, even Dylan Raduns, Trey Lance is going to be a guy that everyone's going to be keeping an eye on. And if you bring in Trey Lance to Carolina versus trading, giving up, you know, potentially two to three first round picks, for Deshaun Watson, which yes, obviously that'd be worth it. He's I don't even think he's twenty. He's not even twenty-six. He's a, an MVP candidate. You bring in a guy like Trey Lance that sits behind Bridgewater for two years. Yes, Bridgewater is not the greatest guy to learn behind. You'd rather have a guy like you know Ryan Fitzpatrick. But they gave Bridgewater a decent amount of money. I don't recall. I don't even remember what I don't. Even, I'm not sure what the cap hit would end up being, the dead cap, if they end up just cutting him. I think um, it's around
0: think $20 million if, or something like that.
1: Right. So I think that's exactly what's going to be stopping them from releasing him. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't <laughs> think they should release him. I think for what Teddy brought, I think for what Teddy is for that team, he's perfect. He is like their perfect <clears throat> bridge quarterback right. to when they eventually find the guy they want. And as you were saying, that guy, if that guy is Trey Lance, I think it's very easy for them to pull the trigger on that. So I'm not saying I wouldn't want them to draft Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is a very intriguing prospect. And I think with the right coaching, he can become a top 10, top five quarterback in this league. And I think with Matt rule at the helm, the Panthers are looking pretty good right now. So I wouldn't be entirely, entirely opposed to them drafting Trey Lance. I just think it'll be interesting how he turns out under the mentorship of a guy like Teddy Bridgewater It'll be curious to see how long he sits on the tablet on the sidelines for, for Trey Lance.
1: Yep, I fully agree. Um, So before we go kind of go into free agents, one very brief one I want to talk about um, is Marcus May. Um, This is a guy that has been consistent ever since, even even during the time when the Jets still had Jamal Adams. Um, His pro football focus grade was 82.9 in 2020, finished with 65 total tackles, which is 27th. Uh two picks in the top 15, right? Right at 15. Um, so this guy has screamed consistency. And they 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 also got Bradley McDougal in the trade. I'm gonna to continue to say this. The Seattle Seahawks were not in a position to be trading for Jamal Adams. Bradley McDougal was not bad. They did not need Jamal Adams, but that's beside the point. Um I think this makes sense. Um I could have seen there really isn't any other guy on this team that they could have potentially tagged. Um, I mean, there really is. Cause you know, Quinn Williams is still sitting on his rookie contract. I think they'd be ridiculous and silly. I thought they were ridiculous to even listen for offers to him for him. Yes. Um, but I mean, Jameson Crowder, I think they'd be, I personally, I think they'd be stupid to cut him. I think if you trade him, he's going to have late round six, seventh round value. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if he gets cut because it wouldn't surprise me if no one's going to want him, but you know, even without a quarterback, th- with no quarterback throwing in the ball, a struggling quarterback, I should say, because I don't think Darnold is the entire problem. And I think the Jets should roll with Darnold and draft Sewell to two or trade down. Jameson Crowder still put up numbers. Um, but, you know, we could potentially see Denzel Mims at, you know, their potential wide receiver one. Could we see Devontae Smith at two? I think that would be absolutely ridiculous. But um, Marcus May here, I think, makes sense as well. Because they're, they're really, there's no one else. Like, if you have a guy like Quentin Williams, that if Quentin Williams is up, I could see them moving the tag over to Quentin Williams. But Quentin Williams is still sitting on his rookie contract. So they're real, they're the, this to me, it was, it was the most, it made the most sense if they were to use their franchise tag.
0: Totally. And I think that <clears throat> if, I think if you're a Jets fan, this is the first time in a long time you can be excited for the team. Because they've got a new head coach, Robert Sala, who we, we've seen at San Francisco is a defensive mastermind coming in with this defense with some nice pieces <coughs> such as now, uh, once again, Marcus May, Quentin Williams, you have CJ Mosley coming back after opting out last year. So I think that if you're a Jets fan, uh, coming into the offseason and just the draft and all the room that they have to work with. I think you got to be excited for the first time in a very long time uh, for the Jets.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. And let's, let's kind of end here on, you know, some key free agents. And, you know, the one I want to start with is Kenny Galladay. And, I'm kind of surprised the Lions didn't use the tag on Kenny Galladay because very similar to our points on Allen Robinson, he probably was going to leave. And I think if the Lions were smart, they should have kept him because they don't have a wide receiver one now. I think Marvin Jones is also gone, and I don't think he's going to the Rams, but I think he's also gone. But this was a little bit surprising to me, but on Kenny Galladay's sake, I wouldn't want to be in Detroit either. I think Detroit's going to have the number two pick in 2022. Um (laughs) So they could, you know, be going after a guy. It's very, very early, but they could go after one of my favorite guys in the Pac-12, and that's Kayvon Thibodeau out of out of Oregon. Um, he'll be a junior. He was, you know, the top recruit in his recruiting class. Unreal. Uh, but back to our points on Kenny Galladay. What, what were your thoughts on that? Shocked.
0: I Honestly, I was shocked they didn't tag him. He, last year, when he was on the field, the Lions were just better, frankly. He was their rock at receiver. He was their un- Like, no questions asked, undisputed wide receiver one. And they're just letting him walk now. And I think it's very similar to Allen Robinson, where if you don't tag Robinson, what do you really have to work with? It's kind of the same thing here. You know, who's their number one guy now? Quintez Cephas from Wisconsin. Is he their wide receiver one now? Like, he, I guess, but he was, what, a sixth round, seventh round pick?
1: Something like that. He was a fifth round. Fifth Um, round. He had an awful combine. His combine was not good. Um, Doesn't have, I want to say he ran a four, seven at the combine has a ton of athleticism, but you know, he, he played a lot more than I thought he would have. Because I really didn't think he would see the field much this year. And he did. And he played a lot more than I thought of, but you know, like you said, Quintus Sivas is not a wide receiver one. And if I'm the Lions, I'm sitting at the seventh pick and you got a guy like Jalen Waddle on the board, I would not hesitate. And I don't think we've had this conversation yet, Jeff, but I personally think that and this is, you know, continues to be a discussion until they step foot on the the NFL field. I would rather have Jalen Waddle on my NFL team than Devontae Smith.
0: Hmm. You know, I think that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I can totally see the argument for Waddle over Smith you know, Waddle is your stereotypical NFL wide receiver, right? Especially with his build, like Devontae Smith, we've all seen a little bit on the skinnier side. People have questions about how that'll translate in the NFL. Will he get handled by these bigger, more physical corners that are coming into the league? Um, but I do think that if you're Detroit now, if Jalen is available, if Devontae Smith, whoever your number one wide receiver is, at that point in the draft, you have to go and get him, because, like we said, Quintez Cephas. As much as we love him, because we're Wisconsin guys, we love Quintez. Yeah. He's he's not a wide receiver one.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think very similar to the Eagles, and because the Eagles don't have a true linebacker, the Eagles, I think, if they got Smith and Chase, I absolutely think they need to take Jamar Chase. But I'm looking at two players. For the Detroit Lions, potentially three because Devontae Smith wouldn't be a bad option either. I'm looking at Micah Parsons as well. Um, and, you know, Micah Parsons has been a guy that has been dropping for the for quite some time now, past few weeks now, because of his off-field character issues. I want to say has had to do with a little bit of his maturity. Um, but Micah Parsons is arguably, in my opinion, the top five, the top seven prospect in this draft. Um, and... If he falls out of the top 10, I'd be surprised. Uh, but if people view that as character issues, I would understand that a little bit more than a guy like Pat Sertain. If Pat, to me, Pat Sertain as well, top 10 prospect easily in my opinion. If Pat Sertain falls outside of the top 10, I, um, unless for the reasoning of so we see so many trades in the top 10, like two or three for quarterbacks, I will be shocked. I will be very shocked. But, you know, Is Detroit going to decide to go with their eighth pick? uh, Excuse me, seventh pick. Or is it? Is it seven or eight? I don't recall. I think it's eight. Um, Are they going to decide to, you know, build on it with a receiver? Are they going to start their draft and their offseason with a receiver? Or... Are they going to start on the opposite side of the ball? Because their defense was more of a problem than their offense. And they had a defensive-minded coach in Matt Patricia for the past two, three seasons who is now back on the Patriots' coaching staff. So, to me, I also think Micah Parsons would make a lot of sense in Detroit.
0: Yeah, totally. They for sure need the help on defense. Uh, We'll see how it goes. If they can get some kneecap biters in the building, right, to sort of get behind uh dan campbell's uh mindset and i think that's another thing too is from the attitude of dan campbell he's <clears throat> obviously a guy who is looking for tough you know hard-nosed football players so it'll be curious to see if he drafts a guy uh like where he goes with that pick or where the gm goes with that pick so I got one, oh go ahead. <laughs> go
1: ahead i was gonna say i got one thing to say for you to Dan Campbell is Adam Gase 2.0, but continue. <laughs> oh, okay. You're going
0: to make a lot of Lions fans mad with that one because they really <laughs> like Dan Campbell right now. Yeah, well, because that, that's what the, I've seen from we're, Lions fans.
1: We're, we're going to break knees. I know a lot of Lions fans also wanted Robert Sala as well, but continue. Yeah,
0: yeah totally. So moving <clears throat> on to the next key free agent, um, I think this guy has had a lot of discussion around him, and that is running back, former Packers running back Aaron Jones. He had 3,000 yards last season, 30 touchdowns – or last two seasons, pardon me. Um, Really, it was very interesting last year in the draft. We saw the Packers take A.J. Dillon, and everybody kind of scratched their head like, what? And then as we saw the season go on, it started to make more sense. We saw A.J. Dillon, especially when it got a little colder out, get more reps. Obviously, the Tennessee Titans game, he really popped off there. So it'll be interesting to see where Aaron Jones goes. I personally do not think he's going to come back to the Packers. And if I was Brian Gutekunst, I wouldn't want him back, at least for the money that he's going to be asking for. I would roll with A.J. Dillon and potentially try to bring Jamal Williams back in on a smaller contract. Uh, Where do you think that Aaron Jones is going to go, or do you think he should come back to the Packers?
1: Uh, Yeah, so... I would have been very upset if the Packers had used their franchise tag on Aaron Jones. They offered him top five running back money. I want to say it was it was either late in the season or like during the playoffs and he turned it down and he fired his count. He fired his agent. Jamal Williams had the same agent as Aaron Jones, also fired his agent and Jamal Williams wants to be on the Packers long term. Some people are saying, oh this is like this, this is ridiculous, um, this is a dumb move. Other people are saying, um, it was the right move. I personally think they should have tagged Corey Lindsley. Um, I'm 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 very surprised to see that. Um, and I like that you brought up the AJ Dillon pick, Jeff, because I am I know very few people that were um ecstatic about the pick, and I can understand maybe the position of where they were picking him because they did pick him in the se- in the second round, and you know it and Good didn't. Good believed that he did not think AJ Dillon would slide to their I think it was in the 90s, 90s 92nd, 93rd, 96th pick, um, when they ended up picking Josiah DeGuara. Um, but it makes a lot of sense because you're sitting in this position right now, aren't like every Packer fan is probably really glad. I know I am, still to this day, that we have AJ Dillon. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting in this situation. Um, but however, with the 29th overall pick, I would not <laughs> be, I would not complain with Mr. Travis Etienne. Uh, my running back one, um, I can understand where that be a little bit of a reach, but I personally believe that a cornerback and a linebacker, because I think they need to go back and watch the Super Bowl and realize Devin White, um, linebackers truly matter. Devin White has all pro talent written all over him, but I... Like the Dolphins fit. You're seeing a lot of Dolphins rumors. Um, I also like the Jets fit. Um, and because the Jets, he's going to go where the money is. And it, it explains, it makes a lot of sense why we're seeing, you know, the Dolphins and potentially the Jets. I've seen a lot. I think we've seen a lot more rumors of the Dolphins come up. Um, I've also seen the Cardinals, which would make a lot of sense. and. Um, we can get to them like when we get to them, but you know, they brought in JJ Watt. The NFC West is not getting any weaker and it keeps getting stronger, but could potentially see three teams out of the West in the NFC next season make the playoffs. But beside the point, I like the Dolphins. I also like the New York Jets fit a lot, and he's gonna go where the money is.
0: Yeah, I think that's apparent because like you said, he was offered top five running back money and declined it. So I think that's very telling of what he thinks that he is worth. And he's probably going to get the money that he wants from a team like the Dolphins or the Jets. I think that the Dolphins are probably the most likely candidate at this point in time. We'll see how things develop there. Um, But I don't know. How do you feel about paying running backs? Because I have never been the biggest proponent of, Paying your running backs big time money.
1: Yeah, and like I said, you know the shelf life of running backs has average it out, averaged out to about three, four seasons. And I fully agree that I think the Packers should keep Jamal Williams, but I would not be opposed to letting both walk. Um, and you know Jamal Williams, the past season, has developed into an all around back. He might not be this Jamal Williams speed and shifty guy. But he has developed into an all-round back. And you look at AJ Dillon, he wasn't utilized a ton in the passing game at Boston College, but that's because you don't see a lot of the, you didn't see a ton of the pat like of involvement in the passing game from those Boston College running backs. Um, but I am with you there. And like I, I fully believe that, you know, guys like is Travis Eaton and Najee Harris are first round talent. Are they solidified first round prospects right now? I don't think so. And I think, I mean, Darius brought up a great point. The NFL is going to probably going to use the recency bias for guys like Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. I think I'd rather have Etienne. Etienne put on about 10, 15 pounds, ran a 440, 440, 440, unofficial 40 time on his Clemson Pro Day today. Um And, you know, he was utilized more in the passing game than he ever has been. So that could have been a big factor factoring reason why he ended up surprisingly going back to Clemson, because I still believe he would have been the best back in the 2020 class. Yes, better than Jonathan Taylor. But I wouldn't be shocked at all if Najee Harris is the first back off the board in April um, over Etienne, because Etienne didn't have the best season, had a little bit of fumble issues midway through the season. But I'm with you there, Jeff. Um, I don't believe in paying running backs. You're seeing Alvin Kamara got paid. Um, I, I th- There's a few teams where I really didn't think they had a choice. You know, you're looking at the Panthers, Christian McCaffrey. You're now looking at the the New Orleans Saints, paid Alvin Kamara. And, you know, the their biggest dead cap hit right now is Michael Thomas. I believe it's at $18, $18 million. I had seen that earlier today. Um, and there was one more I was thinking of. Oh, it was Delvin Cook. Um, because they had drafted Alexander Madison. Yes, he's not an RB one, but they had drafted him because they saw a lot of similar skill sets that, to to Delvin Cook. Yes, less polished, obviously, but I mean, yeah. I mean, I think there's very few teams in the NFL that, that just they just didn't have a choice. And I think the top of the list is the Carolina Panthers with Christian McCaffrey.
0: Yeah, I would say it's very hard to justify paying running backs big money in today's NFL, especially with how pass focused everything is becoming and how much we're finding out your quarterback really makes or breaks your team. Uh CC Chicago Bears. Um but here's the one thing I will say in defense of Aaron Jones. We've seen he's very good in the passing game, so he can be utilized as, you know, an all-around Runner, maybe he's not as powerful as you would like, but he's a smaller guy, so it makes sense. Also, he's only 26 years old. Um, we usually see with running backs 29, especially I think you at age 30. Especially, I remember watching a video where like the statistics between age 29 and age 30, ba- 30 backs it like completely drops off a cliff. So, if you can get Aaron Jones, this young running back who can really help you out in the passing game. I think I can see teams justifying paying the price tag for a guy like Aaron Jones.
1: Right. And um, I think it's going to be obvious. I think wherever he signs, I definitely feel like seeing as the Packers did offer him top five running back money, it's not going to be too surprising the team, wherever team he goes to, but yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. I think we could probably cover one more guy. If you had anyone else in mind,
1: Yeah, so there were were two, and I'll let you choose. There was Will Fuller, and there was Hunter Henry. Mm. Which one would you like to cover?
0: (laughs) Mm, Those are both very, very interesting choices. Let's talk about Hunter Henry. Let's talk about him.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hunter Henry got the franchise tag by the Chargers this year, and you saw a lot more of involvement from Mike Williams. So I think, because Mike Williams is also up. And I think if the Chargers are smart... They didn't use their tag on either of those guys. Um, I think Mike, well, I thought he was up. I'm pretty, he is up because he was in the same draft class as Corey Davis. He is up. And I think if the Chargers are smart, I think they keep Mike Williams. Um, Because you saw a lot of connection with Mike Williams and Justin Herbert um, over in LA. But Hunter Henry played under the franchise tag. Was still good. Didn't do a ton. Um, I'm looking at a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars um, because I, I I don't see them. They have the first pick. They're going to Trevor Lawrence, and they they pit their next picks in the twenties. Um, I I don't see Kyle Pitts being available unless you have a guy like Kyle Pitts, or you decide with the thirty third pick, um, the second round of the draft, day two, you go after a Penn State guy like Pat Fryer, with a versatile guy that can be a weapon for you as well as a guy in your backfield um, as a playmaker, but. I really think that they need to go. They should go after Hunter Henry, Um, Hunter Henry, or even a guy like John Smith, which I was a little bit surprised about that. We didn't see a lot of contract talks between him and the Titans, but I like Hunter Henry a lot on the Jaguars.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm. And as you were saying with the chargers, you know, Mike Williams was awesome for them last year. He was really that deep threat guy Uh, I don't remember what game it was, but I remember Justin Herbert throwing up this ball to him on a nine route and just going up and getting it. He is the perfect complement there for Keenan Allen. You know, Keenan Allen's, you know, working the inside, a lot of slants, things of that nature. Uh, Mike Williams is your go deep guy. And I think it was hard for them to justify bringing back Henry. You know, he was good, but he also, I think he, Sat out a couple of games last year because I think he did get hurt some more. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what team is going to look at him because he's only 26 years old. Uh, What teams are going to be like, okay, let's take a chance on this guy because he's going to want big money. I mean, that's been made apparent from last year when he got tagged as well. So it's, (laughs) I think that the Jaguars are a good spot, but I'm honest, it's hard to find a good place for him where the amount of money that he's going to want is going to be validated or worth that big contract.
1: And I'm glad we talked about tight ends. We, we don't need to go into any of the other ones, but I'm glad we talked about tight ends and picked Hunter Henry because this offseason, it's going to be very interesting to see the amount of tight end moves because you're seeing Dallas Goddard. He's turned into the number one guy Zach Ertz is a regressing tight end, but he's going to have some sort of trade value to him. It's looking very likely Zach Zach Ertz will be out of Philly. You look at John Smith. You look at Kyle Rudolph, who has been linked to the Cleveland Browns to reunite with Kevin Stefanski. Um, He wants to play for the Patriots. Um, I feel like I'm missing one more. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, I definitely feel like the guy. That's a guy whose value, I think, has plummeted a little bit because it's a guy that has struggled to stay healthy. So I'm very I'm very intrigued to see where these tight ends end up in free agency and trades because Ertz has to be traded.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of tight ends that are going to be on the move, uh, like you said. Um, and I feel like teams are starting to sort of value the tight end again a little bit. We're obviously seeing a lot of spread offenses now in the NFL, but you're seeing guys like George Kittle especially, you know, these big time blocking going to go hit you in the mouth sort of tight ends. I think that the sort of blocking tight end is coming back into style a little bit. Uh, it's not fully there. You obviously want a guy, like if you can get a guy like Travis Kelsey, I think you'll be okay with that. Or even a guy like Cal Pitts who isn't your ordinary tight end. Some people have even gone as far to call him just a large wide receiver in this class, but It'll be interesting to see what happens with the tight ends in this offseason.
1: And another one, too, I'm just going to throw this name out there because he might not be back in Green Bay. He's a restricted guy, and that's Robert Tanyan. So yeah. lots of intriguing names. And, you know, he's going to have a lot of value to him coming into the offseason if he's not back in Green Bay.
0: Yeah, he was a sneaky guy. Uh, he ran under a lot of people's radars because mm-hmm. I expected uh, Jay Sternberger. To do something this year that didn't really happen. Um, but yeah, I think Robert Tanyan is a guy the Packers should look into bringing back if they can get him for the right price because they're obviously dealing with salary cap issues of their own.
1: I agree. And they have both him and Lazard as restricted. I Thought that they were going to end up bringing both, but I personally I would let Lazard walk and keep Tan in because this is the last point I wanted to bring up before we kind of end wrap things up here. Is it, other besides the quarterback position, I arguably think that the, the, the tight end position is probably one of if not the hardest positions positions to learn in the NFL because outside of guys like Gronk at the time, George Kittle. Um, I would even put Kittle on that list and Travis Kelsey, because I, I don't say Kittle because Kittle is just now starting to flourish into a top two top three tight end. Um, and now you're starting to see more tight ends really flourish onto their team's offense, guys like Mark Andrews and guys like Darren Waller. Um, so, but yeah, that's just the last point I wanted to bring up here.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, it's <clears throat> it seems like tight ends are kind of at a premium right now in the NFL a little bit at least for what teams are looking for. So it's going to be very interesting free agency this year, for sure. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the blitz. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. You can find all the socials in the description down below. Uh, what do we got planned for next episode, Sam? So next
1: week we're going to be covering, you know, previewing the off season um, of, you know, all 32 NFL teams leading up to the draft. So, um, we're going to be starting off with, you know, haven't decided if we're going to, you know, kind of go division by division or even, you know, the first round draft order kind of starting very, very briefly with the first 10 teams of the NFL um, of the NFL draft that are picking. So very excited to see. They're very excited to break down that one.
0: Yeah, it should be a fun episode for sure. Uh, once again, Sam Darren co-host. My name is Jeff Anderson. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We will see you on the next episode.